0: It's kind of strange, isn't it, to hear stories about resurrection two weeks before the story of the resurrection. I don't know that I've ever noticed that before, that two weeks before Easter. We get these wild and wonderful stories of very different kinds of resurrections, communal resurrections individual resurrections with communal impact, long overdue ones and instantaneous ones, very detailed accounts of ones and very mysterious accounts of others. I kind of like it this year though. It feels good to be reminded in the weeks before the resurrection that God's been at work resurrecting people and things for a long time, and that God has continued to resurrect things even after the resurrection. These texts, this story from Ezekiel and the raising of Lazarus, they sort of set us a reminder as we lean anxiously towards Easter, that we can't hold on to the fact that resurrection is exclusively a one-time event. But remember that resurrections come in lots of forms, lots of days, and for lots of people. It also reminds us that resurrection isn't magic. It isn't instantaneous, and it is never what it seems, even the resurrection. We're invited to see the many myriad manifestations of God that take the form of resurrection. And if you stop for a moment and think about your own life and your own experiences, can you feel it? Do you remember it happening? Do you remember when it was stirring? Do you feel that something is stirring today? Like in Ezekiel, can you hear it? the sound of resurrection, the noise, the rattling. Can you envision a field of bones becoming the multitude of disciples that rise to their feet? Can you sort of feel in this church a small microcosm of what happens in the whole church when the house of Israel goes from a bunch of dried-up bones, a people without hope, a people cut off, a people in exile. And in a moment... They are resurrected to a people infused with the Spirit of God, animated by the love of God, called back into community with God, and woven together with all the people of God with a... (gasps) Is it just an old story? Or is it maybe our story? mortal can you believe that things that are dead can be brought back to life that people who are lost can be found that communities that are broken can be reunited that things that seem beyond repair can actually experience new life mortal do you believe that when god's spirit is put within things new life emerges hope returns things are made new do you believe that when god infused people walk the earth things can be transformed do you believe god can breathe new life and new love into the most dead of the dead the Israelites in the Valley of the Dry Bones, Lazarus in Bethany, you and me and our breathless, lifeless, loveless, broken system out there. Can God inform it? Can God transform it? Do you believe that love can be breathed into anything? God's love breathed into anything and resurrect it? Do you believe in the resurrection, the anchor, for all resurrections. And do you know it's not magic? Do you know it's not quick fixes? Do you know resurrection is not ever what it seems, even the big one? Take this story from Ezekiel. It's kind of like a pic- waiting for a Pixar redo or the, rising, the raising of Lazarus. Do you see how multidimensional it is, how multifaceted it is? There's only one line in that really long gospel that is the raising of Lazarus. It's all about the community impact. They are fabulous stories, rich in detail and deep in meaning, with so much to teach us. But we have to be careful when looking for little resurrections, because resurrections aren't always as dramatic, or as instant, or as visible as these two. They're meant to be a reminder to us that resurrections come in all shapes and sizes. They happen all throughout time, and in our time because what the resurrection teaches us is that when God's love is infused into incarnate life, new life comes. When God's love is injected into the most dead of the dead, new life emerges. When the Spirit of God blows through any person, any community, any church, new life comes. When the Son of Love takes hold of your will and your life, new life comes. So even though I've never noticed it before, I kind of love reading these stories before Easter and Lent. Because in Lent, my senses are really sharpened. I have examined my heart and my actions and my community and the world, and I have become shockingly aware of all the places that are dead. In me, in us, in the church, in the world. I can even look to Easter knowing where i need to invite god to breathe new life into me and i can see those prophets pointing to valleys that i have long ignored lent and our lent and the lenten practices are intended to help us look around to see where we are deficient and ask God to infuse us with life, to recognize all the things that are dead and dying around us and ask God to breathe life into them. We get to work during Lent saying prayers and abstaining from things and doing acts of penance so that we can practice resurrection on those days before Easter. I think we should read the Ash Wednesday liturgy on a daily basis because whatever your practice, you get a sense of where you hope to go. For a couple of years, I've been doing some work that I decided to expand during Lent this year. For Two and a half years, I've been walking together with the people of St. Anselms to examine my identity as a white person. I've been reading and studying the history of race and racism in this country and in our church. They've been this really incredible, intentional group to help me recognize the waters of racism in which we all swim. And I've spent a great deal of time thinking about what God is calling me to do in this moment of my own racial awakening, racial reckoning. Long overdue. So for Lent, I talked with my group about what I hope to do, and they encouraged me, not on the reading or the studying, but on a prayer practice, inviting God to transform me. So I've been praying for like five weeks now, that God would create and make in me a new and contrite heart, that through constant examination and repentance, worthily lamenting the sin of racism, and acknowledging my wretchedness, I'd have a better chance to come to new life come Easter. Easter. I now know that it will likely be my final Easter when I finally get this awareness. They encouraged me and with some faithful leaders of this congregation to embark on a study of Stephanie Speller's book, The Church Cracked Open, Disruption, Decline, and New Hope in the Beloved Community using the book and the reader's guide, we have done some honest and serious self-examination of our racist tendencies. We've looked at the church's complicity in the history of racism and oppression and the systems of race- racism that are still fully in place today, even in the church. And how this beloved community God designed has become a valley of dry bones. I've Spent some time praying for forgiveness and repenting of the sins that I've done as well as the sins that have been done on my behalf and to my great benefit. For five weeks, I've been looking at my actions to see if they reflect the God I worship and the faith that I per- profess. And by prayer and fasting and self-denial, by reading and meditating on God's holy word, I've seen things about myself and my church that, frankly, horrify me. But more importantly, I am starting to see how the only way out of this death-dealing, racialized world we live in is to have God grab up that bag of bones and breathe new life into it. Just like the Israelites in the valley, it is communal resurrection. All rise when one rises. Just like Lazarus, it's a literal resurrection we need of something that has been dead so long it stinks and that impacts the whole of the community. I learned that my true self, our true selves, our beloved selves, they're in exile. They're in exile in a land far, far away with a wall of hatred and bigotry blocking us from entrance into that kingdom of love and light. So actually, I sort of like being reminded today the story of the Valley of Dry Bones, where God does not leave them dry bones. God breathes into these bones and covers them with skin and places flesh on them. God revives this community in exile, and they become alive again. This is the kind of restoration I long for. This is what I'm trusting in God's power of love to do. This is why I lie in bed in the morning and can have a vision of people of all color being given fullness of life. Communities that are despairing being animated again. This is why I think about a vision of white people being lifted out of their history of violence and liberated from their guilt. This vision that I have is of all God's people being given their lives back with a sort of mutual dependence built through better community, through divine action, and through your own personal valuation and communal self-worth. That's, that's part of the vision of beloved community. And since I know that resurrection isn't magic, and it isn't quick, and it's never what it seems, I do my work and trust that God will do God's. You know, we promise to do these works, to dream these dreams of being put back together, bone to bone, and every color flesh to every color flesh. We envision these communities of God-infused people rising to their feet to change the world. But every day we do this work. Each day that God does this work on us, there is another act of racialized violence, another place where I see myself as the oppressor, another testimony of where the church has been racist and still is and so we have this two weeks of waiting i love it waiting like watchmen wait for the morning with a little bit of fear with a lot of anticipation with certainty that the day will come when god takes over my bag of bones breathes life into me into you, into us, and we rise up and stand on our feet and build a new community of love. I wait and hope, because I know, just as you know, that God, that things break and God puts them back together. Things become divided and God unites them. Things are empty and God fills them up. And things die and God brings them back to life. You've seen it, you know it, you believe it. Let us wait for the resurrection with our eyes tuned to little resurrections, knowing that they aren't magic, they won't happen like that, And they certainly won't be what you think. Amen.